Let's go out to our Browns insider. His name is Daryl Ryder. He's brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, how's it going tonight, man? I have two words for your friend. Freezer burn. Yeah. I mean, I, it makes no sense to me. Now, now, freezer burn. I mean, I'll just say, we'll, we'll freeze them. It's fine. I, I'm not big on freezing food and then going back and then, you know, like doing the defrosting thing. Like the other day, I, I put a lot of chicken in the freezer and I've been defrosting it and I've been doing it right. But I'm not. I'm not the biggest on that. It's tough. Freezer uh, burn. I dare you cut up. You cut off on me there. It was probably the, it was probably the appropriate call to be honest because I don't think people need to go into our freezer burn discussion. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know it's funny. I was getting on Jake a little bit last segment about Kevin Stefanski and the fact that uh, you know we're supposed to make this big deal about Stefanski speaking and such, and that's fine. It's a Browns town. You're supposed to make a big deal about Stefanski speaking, uh, but in reality, he didn't really say anything today, Daryl. What did you get out of Kevin Stefanski speaking? Um, I was able to save uh, the company a couple of thousand dollars on a trip to Indianapolis. Oh, there we go. There we. That's I, Odyssey appreciates that. I'm I know sure they, they do. do. Oh, trust me, I of all people know they do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's a glass half full approach right there. You're like, all right, I saved you guys some uh, some dollars, some dinero because the. Uh, he just he, I listen. I want. I thought he was going to say the play calling today. At least I was holding out no, hope that he would. Wait, dude, we're going to be asking that question. Well, assuming I get to go to the Greenbrier again, but uh, that question will be asked when the Browns are at the Greenbrier. You think like, so? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So yes. Between Stefanski today and Andrew Barry yesterday, was there anything, anything between the two of them that you thought was at least stuck stuck out in a interesting, unique perspective type of way? They're getting a new weight room. Yeah. Okay. All right. They got shamed into getting a new weight room. Congratulations, <laughs> NFLPA. Great job by the NFLPA. Well, they didn't. Here's the thing. They didn't have a weight room. That's the thing. Oh, really? Just didn't have one at all. No. Their, their weight room was in the field house. Like. The mm. old weight room, uh, when it got moved for COVID, okay, they had to, you know, because of social distancing and all that, it's in the field house. And they didn't move it back because that space has been converted into a, uh, a rejuvenation, regeneration, trainer type of a thing for uh, players and treatment and stuff like that. So they don't have a weight room right now. Uh, it's literally in the field house. It takes up 20, the 20 yards on the northern end. Wait, do uh, they not? The field they house. have one in the field house. So they do have one. It's not a weight room. What? They have a bunch of. So you're telling me like high schools have better weight rooms than the Browns right now? Pretty much, yeah. They, I mean, the Browns got great equipment. That's sad. But it's not, it's not in a weight room. It's, I, it's in the field house. Yeah, I, I've practice. seen videos of like nice high schools in this area, and I'm like, that that weight room looks really well, nice. Well, I mean, look, I mean, there are high schools that have better indoor practice facilities than the Browns do too. But that's you know neither here nor there. But that's true. Yeah, they're they're gonna get a weight room. So, so where does Miles Garrett? Where does he? What does he do? Uh, he's he's hanging out with LeBron. He's doing the the thing the thingamajiggies with LeBron. There, I did you. see that. But yeah, like in see? season, in season, what does LeBron do? Or sorry, what does Miles Garrett do? Oh, well, I mean they they use they use the weights that are put out there for them, but it's just not a dedicated weight room. Doesn't that feel like the type of thing that you'd invest in as a football team? I mean, you're you're a billion dollar operation. It just well, feels... you know they, they'll get around to it. They're getting around to it <laughs> now. Now that they've been shamed into it for the second straight year, where it's been mentioned that yeah, the the the, the weight room facilities blow, then they're like, oh yeah, you know we're on that. We're gonna. 
working on that right now. So uh, it's like the the Chiefs uh, that got low ratings. I guess they were supposed to get new locker rooms. And uh, it was because, well, shame on you for winning those Super Bowls. We didn't have time to get you a new locker room. (laughs) Counter argument, they won the Super Bowls without a good locker room. So I guess they're right where they need to be. Well, you know. Uh, there, there are new standards for the uh, the the accommodations that players well, see. But, but even even like so, like the locker room, for instance, that's just a level of comfort. Is all that is? I'm not concerned about a locker room, but like the actual I, I, I fitness, this, I would I, be. I didn't realize that the Browns' uh, family area was a tent outside the stadium. I didn't realize that, but apparently that's a thing. That's it's what a was tent in the outside the stadium. Yeah, that's uh, the family gathering place, according to the NFLPA report. Yeah, so. That's weird. Jimmy, get started on that dome as quickly as possible, will you? I mean, you know, I just I saw he just got another twenty percent uh, uh, from Mister Moneybags in Omaha, Warren Buffett. So like, he's got yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, that's that's why the uh, uh, they're not going to pay for it themselves, but that is why there's a lot of credence to you know, hey, um, they can afford to pay for it themselves. Look, I mean, they're uh, you look at the the Green Bay Packers. You know, profit numbers the the last couple of years when you're able to clear north of sixty million dollars on an annual basis and put that in your pocket, right? I mean, you're you're basically printing money at that point. Your your payroll's basically covered by the the national revenue share check that you get from the National Football League as well. So a lot of your profit is based on what type of revenue you can generate in your particular local markets and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, the NFL's not hurting for money, so that that's why there's not a lot of sympathy for, uh, you know, the folks like Jimmy Haslam looking for those uh, public handouts to uh, fix and build stadiums. The problem is, uh, you know, the, the, the stadium's owned by the city, and the city's the one that's really responsible and on the hook for the thing, so... Uh, and the city's also broke. The school system is broke. No, literally, the school system is broke. We found that out last week. They're like 168 million dollars in the re- in the red, apparently. So uh, can't educate the kids, but please come up with a half a billion dollars or a billion dollars to take care of the stadium problem for the Browns. Well, when you put it that way, I'm like, do we even need a facelift for the stadium? Why don't we just hang out with the one we have? Well, uh, again, I, I'd I much rather the, educate kids than put uh, lipstick well, on a pig. Uh, the, the burden should not. My point is, the burden should not be on the city of Cleveland. Um, I know, but it's the, the, it's tough. The, 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 the folks attending the games all live in the suburbs, and they're and they don't pay the taxes to Cleveland, and they're the same people that gripe when they come to Cleveland that the roads are in terrible shape and things like that. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland can't do it on their own, you know what I'm saying? And that that's why, to the Browns' credit, to the city of Cleveland's credit, you know, they have been trying to push this thing to be a regional project uh, because, um, you know, it's it's a regional asset, uh, even though it's owned by the city. Um, and, you know, it's uh, – there are a lot of issues uh, that uh, are far more important than the Browns' stadium situation, uh, you know, when you talk about the community. But – um, you know, the Browns are big business. They're a multi-billion dollar business. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, just like any other business, I remember back the last time they went through this, um, when they ended up picking up the tab for 100 of the uh, $125 million, uh, because I, I just remember, uh, you know, people lost their minds because the Browns got $25 million for the last stadium renovation in, in public funds. And I just remember sitting in those meetings and, you know, the councilman and speaker saying, hey, 
the Browns are a business. We're treating them like the business. Let's, you know, keep it strict business. Let's not be talking football and asking, you know, when the team's going to be worth watching or anything like that. You know, uh, you know, they had to have those type of, uh, disclaimers. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the region that certainly has to be addressed above and beyond just the Brown Stadium. We got the airport project too. And so, but yeah, I, I I'm all for, uh, Jimmy building his own dome, but, it's been made very clear to me that Jimmy's not picking up the the full tab for that. He'll contribute, but he ain't paying for all of it if that's the route they go. No, but he is about restructuring players' deals, and I appreciate that with him. Well, <laughs> yeah, and there's going to be more, um, you know. But they're now under the salary cap and in compliance for March uh, 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern. When the new league year begins, they'll be in compliance, and they can begin the process of pursuing free agents and signing free agents and you know spending more money, which is something that uh, Haslam does do on this football team. He's one of the bigger spenders in the National Football League, and uh, you know, hey, you know, good for the Browns to know uh, they actually know how to work the salary cap to their advantage. So, uh, you know, Denzel Ward still getting the money he was promised, just uh, you know, a little different payment structure, but yeah. It's a good move, uh, and I, I like that they're – I don't get why they're the only, one of the few teams that feel like they really know what they're doing with the salary cap, Daryl. I, well, I, I, my, my New Orleans Saints are pretty good with the cap, too. Not so good at finding quarterbacks and players at other positions, but they're, they're, they're really good with restructuring contracts. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting to find out which ones end up taking the, the big the big pill to swallow and which ones don't, right? Like the Rams, yeah. for instance. The Rams this last year – uh, and this might be an argument for it or against it. You tell me. But the Rams this last year swallowed $80 million, but they still ended up in the postseason. They still won enough games. And uh, Matthew Stafford. They also, they, they also have a Vince Lombardi trophy in the case. That's that. That's well, yeah, but if it didn't, the, if it didn't the, actually the, 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 matter, no, though, then no, you'd, no, never, no. you'd never have to that's swallow the end any of it. No, that's the end of the discussion. Not really, the, though. The, because if, if you because pretend it doesn't the, exist, then there's no need you, to. If you win a Super Bowl, okay, if you win a Super Bowl, then salary cap hell pain is absolutely worth dealing with. No, but it's acknowledging that salary hell, salary cap hell pain or whatever you called it is that is a real thing. Then if the Rams yeah, went through what they sure. had to go through, yeah. yeah. Then you know what the I think Andrew Barry he mentioned uh, yesterday, uh, if I remember correctly, that uh, they they had a feeling that that's where the cap was going to fall and that's where they were doing their planning around and things like that, and which is good and fine, um, and. and you know they have to project how you know what the incline in ca- as far as the you know the cap going up going forward is going to look like. I certainly don't anticipate next year they're going to get another thirty million dollar bump in uh, in cap space. But if that were to happen, the, the Browns would be sitting pretty. Um, like right now, they they can you know take the the Deshaun Watson sixty three million dollar salary cap hit if they want and restructure a couple other contracts to do uh what they feel they need to do to to tweak the roster and bring in more help but you know it's it's not an absolute and I think Barry has expressed this as well this off season um they don't have to do Deshaun's contract to uh be able to it's not a necessity I believe is the phrase uh that Barry used um I still think they're going to do it don't get me wrong I think mm-hmm. they will do it but um they don't have to do it and quite frankly if I were them I wouldn't do it because of all the the questions that Deshaun has and, and what he's going to give you this way you can hit the eject button a lot easier right you you get 63 million in cap space off your books and you don't have to kick that can forward and deal with it at a later date I'm all for doing that and that 
you know, fingers crossed, Deshaun plays really, really well, and then we just stop caring about the contract again. But the reason why people care about the contract and the cap hits is because, well, let's be honest about it, they haven't gotten a lot for their 12 games, and uh, what is it up to now? Ninety-two million dollars that they've paid him so far. Yeah, I just I feel like it's set up for it's set up for Andrew Barry in a nice way, right? Where uh, if you think about it, one of two things happens: either he you know moves the cap and and keeps kicking the can down the road, and uh, Deshaun Watson doesn't get it turned around and he loses his job because he doesn't get it turned around or right. he does get it turned around and then that's fine he's won enough where his job is going to be secure either way so like right. i i understand for me if you're trying to protect your job as andrew barry i understand why all of these moves make 100 percent. well i don't think andrew barry's doing this to protect his job i he's think most gms it. think that way i think we don't acknowledge he's, it but i think they think about them more than they think about it's anything a smart way to do business that's why he's doing it like it makes total sense. The cap but, but he he'll never. Up, but if it, it, it will never truly blow up in his face because if it does, then he'll be out of a job, and it is what it is anyway. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't think that Andrew Barry's thinking about his job when he's sitting there. I, I'm, I'm questionable of GMs of ever, ever since Sam Hinkie. I've always been questionable of GMs and what their motives actually are, Daryl. Well, his motive is trying trying to get this to be the best football team right. that and, he can put together. And, and, and if it does, but it's got to be as quick as possible because as quick as possible is how you get to Sean Watson to prove his worth, and that right. keeps him in the seat for the next decade. Well, in case, in case you missed it, they tried really hard this past year. I know. They tried really hard the I year before. I appreciated it. They I, tried really hard the it's, year before. It's something I respect about this Browns team, Daryl. Oh, well, they, okay. they feel I'm like, they're, saying, always, like... they're always going for it, and they are playing the game as if you do only have – Year a year to live, let's say like that. Yeah. I, I, they're they're basically like so. Where's they're the, the complaint? Yo, they're the YOLO of of the NFL. No, no complaints from me. This is all okay. I've ever wanted from a football team. I just think it's fascinating. Okay, well, I'm just saying like they're, <laughs> they've been pushing the chips to the middle of the table and every they keep year and they keep Andrew doing Perry. it. Like they're I yeah. mean they're they're on tilt at the poker table right yeah, now. Uh, and that's know? okay. <laughs> J- Anytime Andrew Barry wants to sign a player, Jimmy Haslam says, yeah, how much you need? I know. What's there to complain about, right? I mean, have the results been there? Well, sort of. This year the results were there in spite of all their adversity, except for in the playoffs. But, you know, um, know, they're – they're going for it each and every year. And if you're, if you're, look, even back when they were four and 44 in, in the laughing stock of the league, they were, they, they, they were spending bad money to lose and to get draft picks. Remember Brock Osweiler's $16 million right. contract, yeah, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Just to get a second round pick. Like, so, um, yeah, I, that, you, you can criticize the Haslam's. You can, you know, criticize, you know, Barry and draft picks and moves he's made, whatever. You can criticize Kevin Stefanski for play calls and not calling plays or calling plays or whatever, right? One thing you can't criticize the Browns as a whole for doing, spending money and trying to win. Like, so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they are. It, you know, th- things haven't worked uh, as well as maybe they would like at times, but. They're they're all in trying to win. They're not just out there trying to, you know, um, you know, rake in as much profit as they can and stuff it in their pockets and whatever the product on the field is the product on the field because Browns fans will show up no matter what. No, they're honest to goodness trying to win. And, uh, you know, that's why it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Andrew Berry operate come the middle of March again. Daryl, did I hear Kevin Wright today earlier? I might have misheard him, so just correct me. So when he sees, when him and Ken Dorsey see Deshaun, they can't talk football, is that right? No. 
you, you are not you're no. Which is weird. Like it is weird. This is the the weirdest thing because he can't throw for him. I don't think he can throw right now. Anyway, it's going to be next month when he starts doing that. But like, I, I don't know. I, I guess they're just going to go hang out and uh, hang out on the beach or something. I I, like, I don't know. Talk about their families. Like, what do you what do you do I, in I this guess, instance? I guess. I guess. Can he now? Jack's raised an interesting question. Can he go on? Can he go on to Sean's podcast or is that a no no? What? It, who? Kevin. If Steph- can Stefanski go on to Sean's podcast? If, if they don't talk football, can he go on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, I don't see that there would be any type of right. a prohibition against that. No, but maybe that happens. Yeah, I, I guess they're just going to, you know, hey, how's how's the uh, how's the girlfriend? How's the? They're wife? totally hey, going to break these rules. It, it, you know it, that. It, and I know get, that. No, I I cannot insinuate that. I can uh, though, because I'm a radio you, host. I can. go right ahead. I'm I am not uh, I'm not standing by you. You're nope. on your island you're, there. You're a beat reporter. The, you're, the conversation you gotta, you gotta is going to be hey uh, hey hey Deshaun Kevin here. Good to see you. This is my new guy Ken. He's going to be your offensive coordinator. He may or may not call plays. But uh, we just wanted to stop in and see yeah. how, the, you know, how the shoulders uh-huh. feeling, how you doing, what you've been up to, let's, let's play what's your favorite easy. restaurant, yeah. where are we going to eat tonight, uh, can we can we get like room service at our hotel, what's your favorite beach, what's your favorite nightclub, like can, can you see Ken Dorsey, Kevin Stefanski, and Deshaun Watson hitting the clubs in L.A. like. <laughs> just yeah. that visual, did, did I paint that picture well enough for you? You're over there insinuating they're about Stefanski to violate league like rules that would cost them money in draft picks. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're yeah. saying, no, they're going to circumvent league. No, they're going out there to see how the guy's doing. I think they're going to talk football. Uh, they're going out to see how he's doing. <laughs> they got to check football. on him. They've been. You heard Kevin today. They're texting every day. Talking football. <laughs> All right, Daryl. <laughs> I got to go. I got to go, but it's been fun. I appreciate you as always. Remember, I'm done talking football with you. How's that? Uh, hey, we were done uh, when we started talking about uh, Stefanski hitting the clubs. I think we were done oh, talking uh, football. <laughs> I thought we were done when you when your friend uh, had his freezer. Asked about, his, asked about the fish. Uh, Daryl, thank you as always. I'll talk to you Bye. later. Thank you. All right, Daryl Ryder brought to you by Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. We come on back. Why can't the Browns develop receivers? And it is wild. I'll stay with this. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. But first, let's get you a Jake Murray sports update. Diamondbacks scored four runs in the ninth. They had five runs in the eighth and the ninth. You know, earlier I made the joke. I was like, I don't know that you'd know who's batting seventh for the Guardians today if they were a passenger in your car. Let me pull it up really quick and actually see who was batting seventh. And it was it was Kyle Manzardo. Would you know? You know everyone knows Manzardo. Do you know what Kyle Manzardo looks like if he were to walk right next to you? You're walking down the street, and Kyle Manzardo walks the other direction. Can you pick out Kyle Manzardo? Jacks are saying no chance. No, not no. Jake, do you know what Kyle Manzardo looks like? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you might. I think a lot of people like Kyle Manzardo, but uh, I I don't know if I got it down the street. I don't know. Ah. I'm not great with faces, though, in public that way. I'm not. My wife is really good at that. I'm not great at that. That was a real lineup the Guardians put out there today, though. There's no doubt about that one. It was a real lineup. And then you had Jonathan Rodriguez batting second. Okay, great. And, uh, wow, look at some of the names that got in and got played appearances. So that's the thing. Like, they start off with a decent lineup, and then you just get a lot of a lot of people. Jose Tania? Juan Brito? Davison De Los Santos in right field? Alex Free Planes? A lot of names of people. There's a lot of names of Guardians players, but this was actually a better lineup for them today. Uh, they did get the loss, though, and that is our spring training report brought to you by Golf Tech and Bet365.
I'm going to have Kyle Mazzardi join the studio just so Jackson learn what he looks like and I can learn what he looks like. And then uh, Jay can be like, oh, right this way, Mr. Manzardo. We'll be like, all right, good. Very good. Love to hear. All right. Anyway, uh, we're going to get to the wide receiver discussion in just a second. I So play with me for a second here because I, I feel like sports radio host as a whole, we've gotten to be a little bit too uptight. Like sports radio, when I first started listening to sports radio, it was more of let's play around, let's have some fun, let's say some pretty outlandish, wild things, and then let's just see what happens. Like it just that was kind of the format. I'm not talking takes wise or anything like that. I'm just talking in generalities, right? Like you could say you could say things that people were thinking at the bar, and nobody thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said this. Like the other day when I was on with Ken and Anthony, uh, it was Ken in the morning, and I made the suggestion about Donovan Mitchell potentially wanting to play against the 76ers instead of wanting to play the first game out of the All-Star break. I'm like, maybe he's resting night one because he thinks the 76ers win is a better win. And it, it felt like it almost blew Ken's mind that I was even insinuating something like that, and that's fine. I get it. If you say crazy outlandish things, you got to be held accountable for it. I understand it, but I do feel like sports radio... When I make the insinuation that between Ken Dorsey and Kevin Stefanski, when they meet up with Deshaun Watson, they won't say a single football thing to each other. I think that's I think that's insane. I think that's crazy. How is it the three of them get together? And listen, it might be against the rules. That's fine. Are they wiretapped by the FBI or by the National Football League? Even FBI doesn't care if they talk about football. They have no, they don't have no, they have no skin in that game. Are they wiretapped by Goodell and Goodell's offices? Like, honestly, what happens if Dorsey, Watson, and Stefanski meet at Deshaun Watson's house, and instead of playing Park Cheesy, they happen to talk a little bit, a little bit, about what formations Deshaun likes, what he doesn't like as far as receivers are concerned, and all these other things. Listen, I know why the rules are in place. The rules are in place because if they allowed football conversations to be had, then coaches would live with their quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks would never get a day off. It would be so maddening to so many employees of the NFL. And by employees, I mean the quarterbacks, and I mean the receivers, and the running backs, and pieces of the offense, and pieces of the defense. There's a reason why there are limits, and there are times you can do this. Football coaches are psychotic individuals. They are. And I mean that in a loving way because I can appreciate people that are obsessed with their craft. I can appreciate people that really work hard, that try to do the very best that they can. I can appreciate all those things. But let's be honest. There's a reason why you hear all these stories about football coaches sleeping overnight in the facilities and doing all these other wackadoodle things that are just in 2024 just makes no sense. That was one of the things that uh, Sean McDermott got praised for was that he was trying to rewrite the fact that for the first 20 years of his NFL career, he'd sleep in offices instead of his own bed, and he just worked himself to death, basically. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. 7 o'clock, go home, be with your kids. It's like, yeah, that, that's right. That's, and in 2024, that's the mentality we're now having. It took us a very long time to get there, but we're kind of getting there as a society. There's more to life than your job. The problem is that these coaches making millions of dollars – they would still push the limits of what that would be. So 
You tell them that they can't talk to the quarterbacks. You tell them that they can't talk football and can't do everything else like that. I don't know. Maybe Stefanski really genuinely just wants to see how Deshaun Watson is doing, wants to check in with them, all these other type of things. I just have a hard time believing, and this is the sports radio side of me, the one that wants to sit down with you guys, have a couple beers, hang out at the bar. If you're having this conversation with your buddies at the bar, there is no way you or your friends are thinking that Kevin Stefanski is not going there and we'll just and we'll and we'll discuss no football at all. Of course he's gonna discuss football. And Jax, you're like, hey, maybe he'll go on the podcast. All right. So what are we gonna get in the podcast? Where and I agree with you by the way, I think it's a good idea, but what are we gonna get if they can't talk football on this podcast? Like Kevin Stefanski's best TV shows, what type of Air Jordans he likes to wear? Like, what are we getting out of Kevin Stefanski who has given us basically nothing about his personal life outside of the fact that he lives in high school basketball gyms, wears Jordans because his kids pressure him into it, and that's it. Like, what are we gonna do on this podcast? Probably talk about his time at Penn, I bet. Him playing DB. I bet they're getting into that. that. I Wait, think they're that, that, that. No, I think that's talking football. I think that's, that's under the football I umbrella. I guess you're not? right. Like, yeah. you can't, I don't think you can talk about his time as a DB at Penn. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can. Like, the funny thing is, is that the three people in that room, the only commonality they all have with each other is their obsession with football and their enjoyment of the sport. That's what brought them together. It's like... You know, for the longest time, you know, Nick Wilson's one of my good buddies here at the station, right? And Nick and I, for the longest time, when we would have conversations, it would just always be about radio because we're just both obsessed with radio. We just love it so much. And then, I don't know, at some point in our conversation, at some point in our friendship, we just put together, like, I think we talk a little bit too much about radio with each other. Like, I think we need to, but it's our commonality, right? And so, like, now we're at a point where it's nice, where we, you know, we talk about families, we talk about, we make it, we make a concerted effort between the two of us to talk about things that are not radio, right? But it is the way I know Nick. I know him through radio. I didn't meet him at the YMCA playing pickup basketball. I didn't meet him on the golf course. We met at the radio station. So our commonality is radio. We're going to talk radio. Like Ken Dorsey, Kevin Savansky, and Deshaun Watson are not three friends hanging out under any other circumstance outside of football. Like That's it. They're football friends. What's your commonality there? Oh, we're all really, really talented at what we do on the football field. So let's spend four hours talking about uh, uh, playing a game of Monopoly and then drinking some scotch and then not discussing football in the slightest bit. Uh, when I think rules are dumb, I break rules. That's who I am as a person, okay? If I think a rule is d- I think jaywalking's dumb. I jaywalk all the time, okay? When I think a rule is dumb, I break those rules. And so when it comes to this, maybe they're better men than I am. And maybe they'll have a control over it better. But if I'm in Deshaun Watson's house, I'm asking Deshaun Watson about football questions, and it's under the understanding that nobody is going to – Deshaun's going to rat on me to the NFL? Okay, good luck with that. Kidding me? Oh, we can we can make up stories about how we played Monopoly or Parcheesi or whatever the hell game you want to play. Uh, maybe he's got a nice Wii set up, and we played Wii Golf or something. Or maybe, maybe it's an actual golf simulator in his house, and we did that, but no, no, I'm – I'm doing it a little bit different. And bring back the fun in sports radio when it comes to that stuff, though. Like, this is the fun conversations. I love this stuff. Like, we don't have to be proper about these things 24-7. We can, we can live with the idea that it's a really dumb rule, and if Stefanski and Watson and Dorsey decide that they don't want to adhere to it, I won't think anything less of them. In fact, I would encourage it. 216-474-0092.
All right, we come on back. I'm thinking of Puka Nakua, and I'll explain why that's not a good thing for the Browns. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Fan focus at nine. We'll do that next though. It's overtime. Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. It's you know it's good. The, the algorithm has me figured out in there. Like right now, it's giving me a lot of that uh, uh, Andrew Santino versus Bobby. I'm getting like a million of those clips. I can watch those things all day. He absolutely dominates her in these in these convos. I'm loving it. I think it's great. But like, I I just you know. I'm into it. I'm a little into it. And there's a clip that came by my feed the other day, and it just I just kept thinking about it, and I've been racking my brain on it, and it keeps going over. I just keep thinking about it over and over again. And it was Sean McVay identifying Puka Nakua. So they're watching this tape, and he's, Wes Snead is in the room, the general manager of the Rams, the one that famously said, F those picks. And it's him, and it's McVay, and they got tape up there, and McVay all of a sudden is just like, Wait, who's that guy? And then Wes Need's like, that's Puka Nakua. And he's like, Puka, Puka Nakua, okay. And he's like, and they're watching clips and they're going back over them and they're, they're just, they, they just keep going over and over again, these, these Puka Nakua clips. And he's like, get me that guy. He goes, I can make that guy work. Wes is like, you want that guy? He's like, yeah, I, what, fifth, sixth round, somewhere around there? I think is what he's projected to go. I want that guy. I want Puka Nakua. Reminds me of Cooper Cup. I want him. And Wes Need's like, all right. That's the guy you want. That's the guy you'll get. And then it goes through, and then all of a sudden they draft Puka Nakua, and it's a whole thing, right? And in case you were under a rock this last year, which is, I don't know, I have no idea what you guys do in your free time. Maybe you were under a rock. I have no idea. Puka Nakua was awesome. He basically replaced the production of Cooper Cup, and he did it all in one year. He went from the fifth round to nearly 1,500 yards in his first season in the league. It all started because Sean McVay was like, I want that guy. That's the, I can do something with that guy. I want that guy. Bring me that guy. Why is it that there are teams that are really good at identifying late round wide receivers or receivers in general? I mean, I mentioned Cooper Cup. That was a third round pick right there. Let's stay with the Rams for a second. Kyron Williams. He was a fifth round running back. Got nearly 1,200 yards this last year. You watch that game, Browns versus Rams. The, the three names I mentioned right there, a third rounder and two fifth rounders, were everywhere in that game. Everywhere. There was a year where they spent, they ate $80 million in cap space to try to balance out their checkbooks the right way, and they still made the postseason because they were able to draft so efficiently and so effectively with Puka Nakua and with Williams. And I'm thinking of the Browns, and I'm like, why, why can't we do that? And your your easy, obvious answer is, well, I, it's hard. It's a hard business to get into, and it's a hard business to do right. Well, I've given Andrew Barry now three straight years of taking third-round wide receivers. Why is it that he's not able to get the job done? David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Cedric Tillman, he's had three cracks, three bites at the apple of taking third-round picks, and he hasn't been able to make any of them work. So why is it the Browns have taken a third-round receiver in each of the past three years, and we don't have anything of substance to show for it? And you don't get credit for credit for Amari Cooper. He's on the other side of 30. He's been a pro bowler. He had 1,000 yards with four different quarterbacks. That, that's a finished product right there. You don't get credit for that one. It's like when the Browns traded for Jarvis Landry. They didn't develop him. Dorsey and company just made a good move. Why is it that the Browns of the Andrew Barry era haven't been able to draft wide receivers? 
I'm not saying there's a bunch of them out there that have been great. Two rookie wide receivers made the Pro Bowl this last year. Marvin Mims of Denver. Denver, who historically has a great receiving room and a lot of talent there consistently. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, obviously. Like They have a lot of talent there, and they, they just consistently are able to draft some of these guys and make it work. Why is it that the Browns aren't able to? I don't think anybody's going to have a good answer for me. There's either one of two things happening. Either they're drafting the wrong players, which isn't great, or the other side of the equation, they don't know how to develop players. It might be a chicken or the egg, or it might be a both is the answer. I'm not sure. I'm not paid enough to know that uh, the difference between the two because I'm not in the building to see what they do with these wide receivers on a day-in, day-out basis. I'm led to believe they're just not drafting the right guys. But I don't know. I have zero evidence of them being able to draft a wide receiver and then watch that wide receiver turn into something of value. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Why can't the Browns develop receivers? I'm looking at teams like the Rams and everything they have, and I'm just thinking to myself, why can't they do this? Which brings me to my next point. I keep hearing everyone talk about the draft, and you're saying, "Oh, I want to get a wide receiver with our second round pick. We're gonna have eight wide receivers taken in the first round, a boatload of." Boatload of good talent in this wide receiver class. Maybe one falls to the second and we can grab him there. Okay. Maybe you move up in the second round and you go even even closer to getting the guy you want. Here's why I say I don't think that's the right answer. And listen, I haven't decided. we got a lot of time. I haven't decided if I want to go defense. I haven't decided exactly what I want to do, to be honest with you. An edge rusher sounds just about as good as anything right now. But with that second-round pick, I think I want to X out the idea that Andrew Barry gets to use it on a wide receiver, mainly because he's shown me nothing in the history that he's been here that he either A, knows what to do when he drafts one, or B, can draft the right guy. It's not easy. I know that. You know that. And I don't think the Browns can run it back with the receiving core that we currently have. It doesn't feel like the type of situation where they can afford to run it back. I love Amari. I love Njoku. I think he's great, but look around the NFL. Unless you're the Bills or you're the Chiefs, you're not shedding receiver talent. You've been adding to it for years, and you're not holding... You're not getting rid of some of these guys. You're holding on to some of these wide receivers. That's why Mike Evans isn't leaving Tampa Bay. Justin Jefferson isn't leaving Minnesota. The options are bordering on us entering the used DVD bin section of the market. Gabe Davis feels like it'd be a win among wins for the Browns if we ended up with someone like that. I remember last year, we were talking about Jerry Judy, and I brought up Gabe Davis. I wanted this like Gabe Davis crusade. When everyone was talking Jerry Judy, I was talking Gabe Davis, and the responses back was as if I was insulting the fans out there by suggesting Gabe Davis. And then you end up with Elijah Moore, and it's like, well, maybe Gabe Davis would have been the answer. But what I think the Browns need to come to an understanding on is that they need to be in the business of acquiring finished products. Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, and listen, maybe Jarvis isn't the most fair comp because that was the Dorsey era, not the Barry era. But in the Andrew Barry era, Amari Cooper is the shining piece to showcase everyone that they at least can maintain talent if you come here. But they've shown me no signs of being able to develop talent. And Elijah Moore basically was your second-round pick last year. Was he not good with the Jets? Well, you make an argument he was very good his rookie year, and then he took a step back his year two with the Jets, got in a role he didn't enjoy and didn't like. He watched Garrett Wilson become their prized possession, and he asked for an out. And the Browns were able to give him that out. Well, why in year three did he suck? I mean, I'm just looking at it honestly. 
Why is it that none of these wide receivers the Browns have, not named Amari Cooper, who again has four 1,000-yard seasons with four different quarterbacks and will be good if you played football with him on the on Mars? Like, it doesn't matter where you play football with Amari Cooper. As long as there's a pigskin involved, the man is going to catch it. And the man's going to come down with numbers, and he's going to find the end zone. He's just a really good football player. He is team-proof in that respect. You can put him on the worst team in the league. He's still going to get 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. That's just what that man does. So maybe we need to be in the business of acquiring people, maybe not like Amari, because I don't think they just exist like that, and I don't think they'll be open on this market, but acquiring people that are already finished products. You know, when they acquired Deshaun Watson, they really, and the the messaging they sent out when they acquired him is that every receiver they take is going to blossom under Deshaun Watson, and everyone's going to be in a better situation because when you have someone like Deshaun Watson, it's just life is easier. But I, I but fast forward, and I feel like that take from even just a couple years ago has been proven wrong in every place not named Kansas City. And Mahomes is a unicorn. He's one of one, so it doesn't count the same way. But everywhere else... Any team that has tried to strip themselves of wide receiver talent has paid the fiddler and paid the price on it. And I feel like it's just never been more obvious, at least to myself. The Browns cannot draft wide receivers or they can't develop wide receivers. Whatever your reasoning is, they can't do it. They need to go out there and get the finished products. They need to go out there and get the the receivers that you're not depending on uh, Deshaun Watson to raise up their level. Their level has already been raised, and they're going to be good with just about anybody. Gabe Davis, I think, is going to end up in Kansas City, by the way. But Gabe Davis is who I'm talking about as well. Go out there, get yourself a a receiver that has been proven in the league, that is going to get a nice amount of yardage, and entering the year, you don't have to have this question mark. Can anyone tell me who the second wide receiver is going to be on the Browns this year? If we're taking Njoku and using him just as a tight end, Amari Cooper, and then who? Who's the second guy? Last year, it was a debate between Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was sent to Detroit halfway through the season, and Elijah Moore, who at times felt like his body was sent to Detroit as well halfway through the season because he wasn't playing in Cleveland. 216-474 to below 92. Abner, up next on the fan. What's up, Abner? What's up, Jonathan Peelan? Can I refresh your memory? It was Thanksgiving, and I gave you a call, and I was a little tipsy, and I was like, yeah, go Browns, go Browns. But anyway, it's a pleasure talking to you. I love your show, first and foremost, okay? Thank you, Abner. Thank you. All right. And I I pray that God blesses you, okay? Now, two questions I got for you. Wait, it sounds like something mean is going to happen here. What's mean? It was very nice. What what mean thing is going to happen to me now? No, no, no. No, no, nothing, John. Okay, okay, okay. It's just, I like you a lot. Remember, I gave you, I called you, and I was like, Jonathan, Peter, Lynn, show me your Peter. Lynn. I got the theme song. You remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But anyways, let's get down to business, Jonathan. Peter yes, Lynn. yes. Let's get down I have business. two questions for you. Okay. All right. First question. It's a hypothetical, and I got into an argument with a friend of mine, and we were arguing. We almost got into a fist fight because of this. Prime Miles Garrett or Prime Clay Matthews. And the other question I got for you is C.D. Lamb. Or who was the dude's name? He's the best corner without a doubt in the league. I forgot his name. It's like something Smith or something like that. Something Smith? Yeah, the best corner. You don't mean Jalen Ramsey, do you? No, 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 no. I forget his name. It was like a weird first name. I mean, Jimmy Smith is a cornerback. Are you going for Jimmy? Jarius Sneed? But Jarius Sneed? That's not Smith, but that might be be what he's going for. A corner, a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about corner. Yeah, he got franchise tag today. 
Uh, I have no idea, man. But and then, don't forget the second question, then. But then I ask you, who would you take, Prime Miles Garrett or Prime Clay Matthews? It's a hard one, man. You know who I'm rocking with? I'm from Cleveland, so you know damn well I'm rocking with Clay Matthews. Ever since I seen him in the Pitch Perfect movie, I, I I'm in love with him, man. We pulled out those big bikes. When I was little and I saw that, I saw that movie. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the biggest arms I've ever seen in my life. The whole Packers in that movie. It made no sense why the whole why the whole group of Packers were in. Okay? Thank you. Andrew. I love you, man. Okay, Take care. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. I can't call her Fat Amy. I don't think you can call her Fat Amy either. <laughs> okay. All right. Dial it in. Dial it in. Uh, Miles Garrett's the answer, by the way. <laughs> I had to get him off the phone before I could be like, Miles. I, if I was your friend, and we are friends, Abner, but like if we're if we're drinking, we're hanging out. I would I would argue that one with you for like three hours if you wanted to, but it would go nowhere. It was I, I know you made up your mind with Clay Matthews, so we'd just be going around in circles. All right, uh, we got a lot to discuss here with the fan focus. Here's something Ken and Anthony were discussing before we get into it. This is a tease for the fan focus. Uh, is Peterlin on tonight? Should be. I'm critical of Peterlin for one thing. All right, find out what Ken was critical of me about when we come on back. It's over time with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan.